0: You're listening to Your Two Cents, the podcast made possible by Credit Unions of Atlantic Canada.
1: I am so excited today to have my dear friend and business partner, Jonathan Torrens, on the first ever episode of the Your Two Cents podcast. Your Two Cents is the digital series that we created together in the early days of CCS and it's now in its third season. Jonathan has been nominated for Canadian Screen Awards for his work on the show, but most importantly, we get to make really fun and important content about financial literacy together. So, hi, Jonathan.
0: Hi, Sylvia.
1: Hello. I guess this makes it
0: real the fact that we're here and we're talking about it. Instead of talking about it, we're actually talking about it on the podcast. It's a real thing.
1: It's a real thing. We're here. Um, Why does your two cents matter to you so much?
0: I think of all the things that I've ever done in my career, street sense is the thing that people think would resonate with an audience. And obviously, your two cents skews a little bit older. I think it's a combination of things. One is because it's information I wish I'd had in my 20s. And two is because the climate is so complex right now for consumers. As you and I have talked a lot about, people are not trying to keep up with the Joneses. They're trying to keep up with the Kardashians. And that Instagram level of comparison is emotionally taxing And intellectually taxing and financially taxing to this generation of consumer, that's a lot to contend with. So Instagram aside, everything is hyperbole. It's the most amazing sandwich I've ever had. It's the most uh, beautiful sunset I've ever seen. So to try to sift through all the noise and distill down what's really important, what should I buy, what do I need versus what do I want, it feels timelier than
1: ever. I couldn't agree more. It's funny because Street Sense has played a really important role in my life. It was your first TV job. I was on Street Sense when I was 12 because I was so infuriated that extra sugar-free gum claimed it was the bubble gum flavor that never quits. And my hard-earned babysitting money was buying me some extra sugar-free gum and it did quit.
0: The first time you were lied to.
1: It was. And I was really mad about it. But I think even more so now, just to piggyback on what you said, everything is in your phone. You're tapping, you're doing things. You're not holding money and exchanging it for goods. And that can make it feel like it's a bottomless pit of cash, which just isn't true. And I don't think that we are out to make content that tells people not to spend their money. is just giving them some tips and tricks on how to maximize those budgets and how to get the best out of what they want. They don't have to just sit around and twiddle their thumbs while the world passes them by. Get in the mix, but do it in a smart way.
0: That's actually a really interesting point and one I've never considered before. The tactile experience of having five crisp 20s in your hand and parting with them and receiving something in exchange is a really good way to educate yourself on how to spend wisely or the side effects of spending your money quickly. You don't have any left. Whereas these days, everything's plastic, everything's abstract, everything's credit. I heard a clip yesterday, some billionaire guy was saying, wealthy people buy things that are assets that go up in value. Uh, People that get into financial trouble buy liabilities like purses and jeans that are in style this fall, but won't be by this winter. I'd never heard it said quite so concisely, but I thought that was really interesting.
1: That's so interesting. I think that just sort of hits the nail on the head for this entire series. We've been able to have incredibly raw conversations with people about everything from going into retail debt to how to finance your home renovation, to how to buy your first house, how to buy your second house. And every single person on this podcast that we're going to hear from really opened up because we're not talking about this enough. We're not talking about how to get the things that you want, but also how to be responsible about getting there as well too. So I'm really excited for people to listen to this podcast for all of the reasons about how you can learn how to be financially responsible and still hit those goals and have the things that you want. I think it's pretty cool to hear it from real people who've lived it.
0: Exactly. And there's, there's nothing sexy about the topic of money, but the truth is there are some little things you can do when you're starting out as an adult that do pay big dividends down the road. And in terms of how social pressure to keep up with what you see on social media is manifested in a real way. As you know, we did a piece about buying cars versus leasing cars. Leasing cars is through the roof in 20 something age group because That age group doesn't expect to necessarily ever own something outright. So you get a new car every two years for the gram. It was really interesting for me to learn that the best type of vehicle you want to buy is a couple of years old and has low kilometers. So someone else paid to break it in for you. It still has lots of life left in it. But a lot of those financial decisions come down to trying to leave your ego out of it. As we've talked about before, when everyone had a Far West jacket when I was growing up, I had a Sierra Designs one. It was close, but it was never the thing that everyone wanted. And if you can try to be a trailblazer and create your own trends instead of succumbing to what the world decides is popular and decides what you want, that's a great way to kind of save some cash, too.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the really cool things in terms of fashion that we talk about on this series is we interview Bert's Papaya and she talks about thrifting and how she had no choice but to thrift because she was losing a lot of weight. She was a single mom. She was going through a divorce. She had no money. So she had to buy things secondhand because she knew where to get her 425 jeans, not the $100 jeans that her friends were wearing. And so to get comfortable with spending economically, it actually made her fall in love with things like thrifting because she actually was finding designer jeans for $4.25 instead of the $100. And that's still how she shops, even though she doesn't have to anymore. So I think falling in love with saving money, it's a personal addiction of mine, (laughs) but I think it's actually much cooler than going, look how much I paid for this thing when it's way too much money.
0: Well, that's actually a really good segue because I know why you're the perfect person to host this podcast, but tell the people.
1: Oh my goodness. Well, thank you. Now I don't even know what to say. I think my love of being a savvy consumer truly did start with watching Street Sense. I also grew up in a home where both my parents worked. My mom immigrated to Canada with absolutely nothing and had to be really smart with every dollar she spent and her mom had taught her, you know, you bring a dozen eggs home from the market and one of them's broken, go back and get your eggs because you work really hard for your money and you deserve to have 12 eggs, not 11 when you go and buy them. So I have really fallen in love with the idea of having what I want, but being really smart about it. I don't mean ripping people off or not paying people what they're worth. I think that's very, very important from a service perspective. But in terms of thrift shopping and doing my homework on the kind of car that I want to be leasing or how to finance a home renovation and putting all the legwork in. I'm obsessed with learning how to stretch my dollar and I love learning from other people, but I love sharing it with people too.
0: It also seems like there might be two buckets in which to kind of save money. One is the DIY spirit, which you possess. You've sort of figured out how to make things instead of buying them. And the other one is the admin side of life, which is something that my wife has helped me with a lot. Yes, you can forget to pay your credit card, but why would you? Especially in this day and age when you can set a little timer to make sure that you get it paid on time. It's a little bit of interest, but if you just let all the little bits of interest slide and add up, then you're just giving away money. And why would you want to do that?
1: Totally. And I think to that point too, I'm a big advocate of advocating for yourself. So if you see a charge come up, call the company and go, Oh my gosh, I'm sorry. I didn't subscribe on time. Can I cancel? Can I get the last month refunded? Be diligent about what you're paying for, but also stand up for yourself. If you bought something and it's not working the way you want it to don't throw your hands in the air and go, Oh, they had a one month return policy. Call and ask because a lot of times people are willing to go the extra mile for you. They just don't do it if you don't ask. So I think that's a big part of it too. I learned that from my mom raise your hand, say the thing, and see what happens. The worst they can say is no. takes a little bit of time, but can save you a lot of money.
0: True story. And speaking of time, one of the things that I have learned is the subject and concept of false economy. My father-in-law has really helped me with this. If it is beyond your scope, for example, we have a trailer business, as you know. I could spend a week trying to undercoat the trailers. Still not at the end of the week know if it's been done properly. My father-in-law's argument is, why wouldn't you pay someone for two hours to do that job for you, who does it professionally and knows what they're doing. And then you've just bought back five days of your life to do the thing that you're actually not bad at. So it's taken me a while, given my DIY kind of spirit, to understand the importance of farming things out. But you should try to do the most the thing that rewards you the most. And reward can take a couple of meanings. One is obviously being financially compensated. And the other is time- So if you can farm something out and it's cost-effective and that frees you up to do things that you want to do to have a good work-life balance, that has value too.
1: Absolutely. And sometimes we get hung up on things like, I should really post this thing on Kijiji or Facebook Marketplace and try and resell it. And then you end up spending so much time trying to get rid of the thing, maybe donate it to a place that could really use the thing you're trying to get rid of. And you're not going to get that money back necessarily, but you know it's going to a good place and you've saved yourself hours of your life.
0: I could actually fill this entire podcast with bits of wisdom that my father-in-law has given me with regards to Kijiji. One is like, as far as establishing a price, he's like, if you want to sell something, just sell it, just get rid of it. Like once you make the decision to get rid of it. So I I went through that this week, I sold a toe dolly on Kijiji and started to calculate the number of hours I put into like corresponding, putting the ad up, uh, meeting the people, explaining how it works. And the longer you take to do something, the less you're paying yourself per hour. So ultimately, it was satisfying in that I sold the thing to people that were happy to have the thing. I got a price that I can live with, but it wasn't the best use of my time, ultimately. So if you're selling a wagon for 50 bucks, you better be prepared to make seven bucks an hour to do it.
1: It's so true. Take the amount of time and divide it by the price. And would you work for that much money? And sometimes you just enjoy it. So it's totally worth doing, but you have to know the priorities that you're setting for yourself and what that means to you. And sometimes putting in the sweat equity to sell something is a great thing to do. And sometimes it's not.
0: So the, um, your two cents podcast by design is very much not financial experts. It's real people from a broad swath of humanity. Tell us a little bit about the guests that we're going to get to meet over the course of this season. Birds papayas one. Who else?
1: I'm so excited this season because we have really amazing guests. And like I said, they're all coming from real places and we're really raw. We've got the ladies from blush co. I know we've heard from them on your two cents before, but we go into a lot of depth on running your own business. We talked to Chris green. He's a celebrity hairstylist and he breaks down the skimps and splurges of hair which is pretty cool. DIY mom, Rebecca Higgs, talks about renovating a house, how to finance that renovation. We've got Dylan Playfair. We've got Sam Meggs talking about working as a freelancer. Spencer Barbosa, who is an 18 year old influencer who is living on her own without any help from her parents because of the money she made working at Dairy Queen, which I'm obsessed with. Tiffany Pratt talking about DIY. Um, And Dane Woodland. We're going to talk to Dane Woodland about buying or leasing a car. And we have us.
0: Amazing. What a lineup. It's going to be
1: great. That actually is
0: amazing. I'm
1: really proud of our guests. And I will say, I know I mentioned it before, but everyone really put their heart on their sleeve, shared a lot of really helpful information from a real person's perspective. Jasmine Perrin and I talk a lot about buying a house when you work for yourself. And that is not a fun process. And she really bared it all so that people could learn from what we've gone through. So I think people will be really excited to hear what these guests have to say. And I think they're going to learn a lot from real human beings sharing real life experience.
0: Well, one thing we might have underestimated when we started doing Your Two Cents is just how much people are clamoring for this real financial information, right? People don't necessarily want just the softball stuff. They want to know about GICs and RSPs and saving for a house. And it's true. One of the questions that I hear the most is, how am I supposed to save when I'm paying down student loan? And one of our friends from the credit union, Elaine, who is also paying down her student loan, was like, it's okay to have a student loan debt that you're chipping away at. Don't panic. And I think on financial matters, maybe there's a lot of pressure to like have it all when you're starting out. But it takes time. And as long as you're chipping away at it and kind of inching in the right direction... And it's going to be fun.
1: One thing we learned so much through interviewing all these guests is that the emotional connection to money is so real. And there's a lot of shame when you don't have it. There's a lot of struggle when you feel like you're trying to get to a better place. And I think that's a big reason that we wanted to do this too, was that people aren't alone, understanding that it's complicated, understanding that you might shed a few tears when you're going through a process. It's okay. But I think the hope at the end of it is pretty cool. And there's a lot of real advice on how to get to the places that you want to get to. Everyone's success financially is different. So this certainly is not a podcast about you must have this and you must have this. It's just about people sharing really, really helpful information if that's a thing you are trying to get to.
0: And that's one of the things that I love about a podcast is that people that are interested in financial information will hopefully listen to this one. You don't have to worry about people who aren't interested in the subject matter listening to it. It's kind of all the power is in the hands of the person ingesting it, which I love.
1: Totally. And here's the other thing. I've kind of made it sound like this is a super emotional podcast that might be a bit of a downer to do. We had so much fun. Like talking about money is actually really fun. And one of the things I'm really proud of about the conversations is that so many times the answer's of the guests started with, oh my gosh, no one's asked me to talk about that before. And I think that really opened up a lot of fun. People are really scared to talk about money. And so we had a lot of really fun conversations as well. So this is certainly not a doom and gloom podcast (laughs) about finances. There's lots of fun to be had. And I think hopefully people hearing people talk about money in a really positive way will allow them to feel really positive about money, regardless of the situation that they're in right now.
0: Welcome to the world of entrepreneurship. Not sure where to start? Credit unions believe in supporting local businesses, both big and small. Whether it's $1 or a million, they have the business banking products and services you need. That's why in 2020, Atlantic Business Magazine's readers named credit unions the best financial institution in Atlantic Canada for small business. Credit unions in business for your business. Check today's show notes for credit union small business stories. Okay, so it's a broad question, but what is one piece of financial advice that you often go back to or that you have ringing around the back of your head?
1: Ask for help. I think so often we think we should know because it's embarrassing not to know. I, as you know, have gone through a major career transition in the last few years, and I didn't know a lot. And I struggled with raising my hand to say that because I was embarrassed. I was 30 and I didn't know enough about investing or how to be paying myself as a business owner and all of the things. The minute I started asking questions, people were jumping out of the woodwork to help me. And I felt so much more empowered once I had the information versus kind of being scared and afraid to say that. So I think asking for help is... The most important step in solving any problem, but especially a financial one.
0: Great one, great advice for life. Period. Not just your financial life. Mine is ask my wife, who fortunately is an accountant. When we met, I was on a first name basis with a woman named Gina at CRA because taxes were like, eh. like not just not a priority. I was too busy like making jokes and creating things. That is so juvenile and such a waste of money to pay extra. You're like, you already pay enough in tax. Why should you pay even more? And I come from a family of jokesters and pranksters. Uh, My brother may or may not have one year returned his um, tax return wrapped around a suppository. My brother also carved a check into a two by four because apparently if it has your bank account number on it and your signature on it, it can be used as a check. Like you don't have to use... The bank issued checks.
1: That's amazing. Didn't
0: know that he did. So I have. Uh, I come by that sort of uh, rolling your eyes at the man, kind of <laughs> honestly. But it's also at a certain stage in life, you should just try to be responsible for your own sake. It's not for the man. It's for your own sake, and especially most people like us work in jobs that are uh, we're not getting a pension. So we have to make kind of smart decisions. My default is always real estate. Both my parents were realtors and that is the thing that I kind of understand the most. I understand that you buy a building in a place that's hopefully going to go up in value. And it's a tactile thing. I find it hard and it's probably because I'm old now to wrap my head around cryptocurrency and even investments to a degree. What pond do you like to fish in financially?
1: For me, I think A little bit of both. So right now we're going through a major house renovation because that for us is our investment into real estate that we're going to start making that will hopefully pay dividends for us in all kinds of places. Once we get the value of our house up, that becomes a place we can draw to invest in more things down the road. So I think we lean more towards real estate as a hope you know something we're doing actively right now but hope to grow that i do invest but i don't know enough about it still bitcoin crypto all of that terrifies me trying to learn more about you know setting up a proper tfsa and rsp which i have actively going on but i definitely could learn more about it but i want to own more land i want to own more things in that way and that's a real goal of ours as we keep aging <laughs> is that we want to get into that a bit more yeah. for sure?
0: It's little decisions you can make now, like hopefully you buy a thing, hopefully uh, you have tenants that can kind of cover the mortgage and maybe even then some. And then when you're 65, you sell it and there's your retirement package. It's a tale as old as time.
1: It sure is. I am so excited that we're doing this. I'm so excited that people are going to get to learn about so many different things that they maybe had no idea that they needed to learn about or wanted to learn about and were too scared to ask. So hopefully this is a little vessel into people doing that. Before we wrap up our inaugural episode, I do have a couple of money questions I want to ask you. Oh, hit me. What is the best purchase you ever made in your life?
0: My now wife and I were on a trip to Italy and in a small jewelry store, I found a tiny diamond, like an antique, that's sort of rickety to the point where when we've taken it here to try to get it fixed, people are like, I'm not touching that. It's so brittle and frail. But the return on that investment is immeasurable. And probably the purchase that I look back and think, dang, I would buy that over and over again.
1: I wasn't expecting to tear up this morning, but there we go. I love that purchase. Well, see,
0: value and investments can come in all shapes and forms. Time, sweat equity, it doesn't have to just be financial. But when I think about what the idea of having money in the bank means, for me, it's freedom. And it's the freedom to say no to jobs I don't want to do, which then allows me to have more time with my family. I don't want jet skis on a yacht. I want time. And especially because my business is very up and down, I want something that's steady and uh, just kind of clips along. It's not necessarily exciting, but it's stable. And I have enough excitement and uncertainty in my particular line of work. So it helps to have some things that are more stable.
1: It's one of the things I admire a lot about you is that, and again, why I believe that success looks different for everybody. Some people want the yachts and the jet skis. Some people want stability and that freedom in their lives. And so that's why being prescriptive about what success looks like, I think is just such a non-starter because it's different for every single person and what you need is so different. So investing in love for you gives you that in your home life. And I think that's a really wonderful thing.
0: Well, it took going to Los Angeles to sort of throw my hat in the ring as an actor to realize, are any of the things people are pursuing here things that I would necessarily want, like a Malibu beach house or a Lambeau? And none of those things really raised my eyebrows. The idea of having balance in my life, which, as you and I have talked about, is something I can achieve here that I couldn't achieve there, that to me is the type of wealth I'm interested in your health is your wealth, as my friend Al Sweet says. My mental health is much better living in rural Nova Scotia, where the cost of living is such that if there was a quiet time, I could probably coast for longer.
1: Yep, yeah, it's so smart. Okay. Worst purchase you've ever made in your life.
0: Oh boy. My mind is flooded with bad ideas. I would say the first thing that came to my mind was when I was working in my early 20s when some of my friends weren't, I wouldn't let them not having money prevent us from doing things. So I probably shared what little I had far and wide, but then the the very next thought is would I change it or regret any of those decisions? No. I've made some real estate purchases that weren't awesome Didn't really ever get my knuckles wrapped, but for example, here in Truro, when I moved here, you can buy a triplex for $180,000. And when you're moving from a bigger city, it sounds like, what? That's bananas, because the rents are still almost as comparable as they are in Halifax, but then sold it several years later for the same amount. So it's not going up in value. Saw another clip uh, with an investor who said, I always think of the rule of doubles. If You have a thousand bucks now. And it can be 2000 a year from now, it can be 4000 a year after that, it can be 8000 a year after that. If you can just keep doubling your money somehow, those are the investments you should look at.
1: Really smart. What is one thing you wish you learned about money sooner? Eating out
0: is such a costly endeavor. And I, I probably did that a lot in my 20s. So not money related specifically, but did you know you can cook at home is a lesson
1: that (laughs) that
0: served me well in my 20s because somehow it would seem I didn't know that.
1: It's interesting because I think it's a sneaky one. Buying your lunch out, eating out for dinner, that adds up so quickly. And through the pandemic, not being able to do that, it was shocking to see the money you were saving in sneaky places like that. And I think it's a really important thing. There are certain things, make memories with your friends at home, cook at home, learn how to do something together. I think there's a real lesson to be learned there. I'm now of the age where, sorry, I can't hear you over the music in the restaurant. Right. Stay at home, you can do that. So I think there's something to be said for going out once in a while, but I love making a lunch or not going out to eat as a way to save money.
0: Do you know what I love? What's that? Leftovers. Do you? Did you know that you can enjoy last night's dinner again today for lunch? And part of it is because uh, Carol's a wonderful cook and we barbecue a lot and I like what we make. But also, that's a great way to stretch your dollar too. I always say the sneaky miscellaneous column in life is the one that adds up. You can't go into shoppers for less than 90 bucks. And it's batteries and paper towel and Christmas presents for your kids' teachers, and all these things that there is no column on your monthly budget for. So we have a company, and the money that we make goes into the company, and then Carol pays us a modest salary. So as two human beings, we don't have much. I think that's um, much cash sitting in the bank. And I think that's probably a good strategy. Because if it's sitting there, you'll find ways to spend it. It's like a friend of mine said about food decisions, make good decisions easy. You have a pitcher of lettuce in your fridge or celery. You'll probably do that. Make bad decisions hard. If you have chippies above the fridge in the cupboard, you'll probably eat them. Yeah. But if you have to get in the car to drive to needs, you might not eat them. And I think that's kind of the same financially. Even... Uh, little things like your credit card limit, don't tempt yourself with having as big a limit as the bank will give you. Have a limit that you need and pay that stuff off every month. Absolutely. That's the most boring, but most practical advice ever.
1: No, it's so true. And As you age, Alicia and I talk about this a little bit. I was talking to a lender about this home renovation and he said you two have exceptional credit. And he couldn't get over the credit scores we had. And I was like, go on. I could not ask for a better compliment, I don't think, than a stranger telling me I have great credit because I was a burn your hole in your pocket kind of person when I was younger. And that was potentially going to send me down a really dangerous path and I was able to clean up my act and get to a point now where I have exceptional credit. And that is the most boring concept in the world. But man, has it ever paid dividends for me and the things I want to do with my life. Well, I know because
0: you start out thinking, what's the most I could get for a house? What is the most the bank will give me? Seven hundred dollars $800,000? And then you realize at a certain point, wait, what is the least I could spend on a house that's good enough for us? Because the idea of like chipping away at paying it down or the idea that most of your payment is going to interest, like that sucks.
1: Big time.
0: That sucks. And seeing the overall amount that you owe go down is actually kind of a turn on, not in the traditional sense, you understand.
1: (laughs) If you can fall in love with the idea of being financially responsible... It's actually really such a thing to fall in love with. It is a turn on. It's like, oh, I could save money on that. There's a joke in our house because I'll come in with like a big smile on my face after being on the phone with an insurance company. And Jordan's like, did you just save us a lot of money on something? And I'm like, yeah, I did. I get very excited about that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's a good feeling. It's great. And also because... There are certain things that you can just decide you don't want to skimp on. Maybe if you barbecue a lot, maybe you get a really nice barbecue, right? On points, hopefully. Points programs are also really exciting.
1: They sure are. One thing that I have in my life that I splurged on was my blender. I bought a Vitamix. I use a blender all the time to make so many things. The cost per use of that thing is so beneficial to me. So when you actually look at the useful life of something, if your blender is going to sit and collect dust, do not spend Vitamix money on a blender. That is not smart. But for us, it was something that we use all the time. So it was worth splurging on. And so I don't think you have to live your life constantly skimping, but understanding where to splurge. It's that balance that you can strike to have that thing.
0: Yes. One of the most interesting facts that somehow always sticks out in my mind with regards to your two cents is there was a guy who worked at credit unions and he was sharing some financial advice and he was saying when he was in high school he wanted to learn the base and do you remember this no and he had enough money to buy a base but he opted to finance it instead as a high school student so he paid whatever it was 12 bucks a week or 49 a month till he paid off the base so when he went to university He already had good credit because he made his base payments.
1: That's so genius. It's so no wonder he works for the credit unions because that's the kind of thing you're going to get when you go there. That's so smart. Okay, one last thing. You and your wife, Carol, are both entrepreneurs. You have two young daughters. You have some wonderful businesses between the two of you. What is the thing you hope you impart on them watching their parents both working and thriving as their own bosses?
0: Two, three things. Uh, one is work ethic and how, I remember talking to a friend of mine who's the CEO of a pharma company in the States and we were talking about guilt around traveling for work. And he said, you're showing your kids, remember when we went to Disneyland? That's because I had to go on those two work trips and I wasn't around much. So those are the things, those are the choices that you have in life. I want to work really hard to sacrifice this thing to have that nice thing over there. The second thing is treat people well and fairly. I think both of us kind of approach things always erring on the side of generous rather than stingy. My father-in-law, again, with a classic, givers sleep better, takers eat better.
1: Have him on the podcast. I'm sorry he you didn't make the He's in season truth two.
0: bombs all the time that you're like, oh my gosh, that's so true. I would rather sleep better and err on the side of generous for sure, big time. Hopefully, the third thing that they see is they can do anything because they see their mom and their dad uh, chasing their dreams and trying stuff. Not everything works, but I don't think either of us will get to the end and think, man, I wish I'd. Awesome, I love that. There was supposed to be an ellipsis after I wish I'd, meaning. There's nothing we won't have tried that we wanted to.
1: Awesome. Well, I think that's an amazing legacy to pass on to your kids. As someone who grew up in a household where both of my parents worked their butts off, definitely saw that from my parents. So I am confident that that is happening with your girls as well, too. And you can already see it. It's so cool. It's so cool to see that handed down. It's a beautiful thing to pass along is hard work, treating people kindly, and being smart with your money. I think that's awesome.
0: Yeah. Humble and... Um humility wins the day for sure.
1: Big time. Yeah. I could not agree more. I think that brings us to the end of our very first episode of the or two cents podcast.
0: Well, I am the biggest fan of this podcast already. I can't wait to hear all the conversations coming down the pipe. I'm a big fan of uh, yours and, and also the guests, um, and honest, real conversations about money long overdue. Can't find them in many places. So giddy up.
1: Well, thank you so much. Yeah. Giddy up indeed. Enjoy your two cents. The podcast, you'll be hearing a lots more from both of us as the season rolls out. It's going to be a lot of fun. No kidding. Jonathan, I can't express to you enough how our partners at the Atlantic Union's not only talk the talk, but they walk the walk.
0: They really do. They're just the best. And as we've done these episodes of your two cents over the years, we've seen firsthand how they've helped small businesses get off the ground help people buy their first homes and more than anything, just been there to make the day-to-day just a little bit easier for people.
1: It's so true. You'll see on the year two cents digital series, we highlight businesses that have been directly impacted them. And even people who've actually bought their house through the credit unions, which is pretty cool. So our gimme credit tip of the day is if your dreams feel big, just talk to someone at the credit unions. They're in the business of your business and they truly just want to see you thrive, whether you're a business owner or just a human being trying to get your money together.
0: Well, how many times have we seen they started out as my um, contact at the Atlanta credit unions and now they're in my friend circle?
1: On a texting basis, this has actually happened. We've seen it in real life. It's the best to feel like the people who are helping you with your money are also just there in your life as generally good people. It's pretty cool.
0: True story.